Welcome back to episode four of the Worthiness Lab. I am very excited to bring this episode to your ears. This week, I chatted with Alyssa Hansen. She is just a beautiful human who was so vulnerable and open in this episode as we explored topics of jealousy, abandonment wounds, and some truly juicy juice. <laughs> I can't speak. Some truly juicy truth bombs. <laughs> Something that we speak briefly to in this episode is our egos and how deeply our egos desire to just keep us safe at all costs. And you know, a lot of the times that cost is actually connection to others. As a little side note, my ego's name is Stella, and I encourage you to do the same. It's quite entertaining. Um, she wears a velvet maroon tracksuit and those plastic dollar store aviators with the lines down them, and her hair's in spice buns, and she is just so sassy. <laughs> And giving her a name and an identity has really added a lot of humor into my life when she shows up. Because when she shows up, it's often in fear. It's trying to disconnect me from my partner or friends or what have you. And I share that just to say that just recognizing that you don't have to identi identify with every fear that you have. You don't have to identify with jealousy when it shows up for you. Every trigger that walks through the door of your life house does not have to fully take over your ability to stay sturdy and grounded. And I just want to highlight that here before we dive into this topic because jealousy is so fiery. <laughs> it carries a lot of weight and a lot of shame and I just want to give you the reminder that if this is something that you experience that it doesn't have to be forever and that there is a version of you that is liberated from it and, and I invite you to bring in some compassion for the piece of you that is trying desperately to keep you safe in the only way it knows how. So jealousy, yes, it's uncomfortable to be with, but it's also familiar for, for those of us who do experience it. When the story has been that love doesn't show up for us or that we're not enough exactly as we are, that we're too much, we're unconsciously constantly looking for evidence that supports these ego stories all day long. <laughs> so if the familiar story is one of a lack, then we get to constantly confirm it through the jealousy. And we're actually closed off to the ways that love shows up for us, or the ways that we already are, or embody, or have the things that we feel jealous towards. And then there's like the whole other coin of like opening and being receptive to hold the love and openness that we deserve and desire, but that's like a whole other episode in itself. Uh, gosh, okay. Yes, I'm, I'm so excited for this episode. I cannot wait. Let's just dive in because there is so much here. Alyssa, I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for joining me. And I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Oh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, sounds like we have lots that we can jam on. So I'm looking forward. <laughs> we definitely do. Mm -hmm. So something that has become abundantly clear in the recording with guests on this podcast is that worthiness is not a wound that everyone carries. <laughs> and when I discovered this, I was obviously very excited and very, you know, happy that that's not true for everyone. And I was also a little angry. <laughs> I got some sacred rage of like, what the fuck? Really? Um, and I'm so curious 
what has been your experience of worthiness and that kind of winding road? Have you, what does that look like through the years in your career as a model and just your life as a human being in this human experience? (laughs) Wild enough uh, (laughs) as it is. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Worthiness has been one of my biggest wounds. I am right there with all the wounded worthiness people. (laughs) And it's impacted my life massively. And I would say in the past year, and like I told you earlier, I'm turning 31. I'm just starting to understand how deeply that's impacted me and how I've shown up in relationships. And most importantly, how I've shown up to myself. And it is pretty confronting to really see the impact it's had on my life. You know, it's not very helpful for me to marinate in that too long. But of course, you know, I, I've had to become aware, aware of that. It is good to not marinate too, too deep in the, in the wounds. At some point, we have mm-hmm. to kind of move beyond and experience life outside of them. But I'm curious how this impacted you in, I mean, we could start in the realm of relationship, relationship, whether that be relationship to yourself and to your body or mm-hmm. relationships, intimate relationships. Yeah, well, both are definitely very connected. I mean, the wound really stems from birth. I was a premature baby. So right when I was brought into the world, I was separated from my mother and put into an incubator. So that attachment rupture was imprinted on me right when I was brought into the world and created kind of a blueprint in my system. On top of that, my family system I won't get into it too much, but it just wasn't very helpful and just only added to that abandonment and that rupture and uh, my parents divorced. So I'd go back and forth. And so becoming a young woman and entering the world, I was kind of walking around with a very deep abandonment wound, which made me completely disconnect from my power. So naturally, I was sourcing validation and approval and worthiness from everything outside of myself, be it clothes, the way my body looked, relationships to men, relationship to friends, like just anything to make me feel fill that deep gap in my heart and soul. And I was a rhythmic gymnast from ages 7 to 17, and, and that sport was quite intense in terms of, you know, needing to be look a certain way, very similar to the world of dance, I would say, and like figure skating. And so I got messages at a young age that I was not okay as I was, like I needed to lose weight. And so getting messages like that at such a young age, I realized I actually started to identify with that. And I was identifying with my weight and, oh, so I need to look a certain way. I have to, and then I'll be okay. And then men will like me and then people will like me, then I'll be accepted. So that got imprinted like at a very young age. It it feels like a well, honestly, because that's just the beginning. And, you know, I think I fell into patterns of disordered eating in my early 20s, right after I retired from the sport, you know, and entered young adulthood and trying to figure out who I am um, without the identity of being an athlete anymore. And that was really confusing. And I entered the world of dance and acting and modeling, which kind of only fed into that part of me that did not feel secure as I was even more so. On top of that, when I started dating and had boyfriends and, um, you know, I attracted really, attracted really unhealthy partners and it makes sense because of where I was at and my connection to myself. And it kind of just made it <laughs> worse for a while. 
<laughs> and I think I'm just sharing this all to say, like, you know, I just hear of so many women that kind of go through similar things. So I think I just like sharing the, the gritty of what I've been through too, to be like, hey, like everyone is not alone. Yeah. And thank you so much for saying that there's in the culture that we live in, it's really not, we're not invited to have these conversations as often as we should, especially with young girls and as women. But if you connect with anyone in a deep, genuine way, we all carry some form of this narrative. It looks different for everyone. There's always a deeper way that we can connect to people. And, mm. you know, we're, we're always just searching for identity. And there isn't really anything taught in in our sports systems, in our school systems, <laughs> in our life systems about raising worthy sovereign beings like growing up sourcing that validation internally like that's something I'm really realized like I didn't get but as a as a society like that's not in place you know yeah and like it's like you said and without going into the family system too much it's like they just don't have the tools they were not taught by their parents and their parents and our parents are just children of parents doing the best they could with what they knew <laughs> and they knew very little compared to the generation that we have now thank god we're having these conversations and it's just more normalized to mm -hmm. do this work and be aware of this work and read books on it and whatever i feel like a lot of people are just interested in this work for their own personal growth and again just like thank goodness yeah yeah it's such a gift and it really connects us on a deeper soul level and gets past the the surface level conversations. Yeah. Something that you said about being born a premature baby and being separated from your, your care, primary caregiver at birth and how just those little tiny imprints can actually have a deep, profound sense. Like it doesn't always have to be this major traumatic thing that can happen. It's often just these little tiny micro moments that you don't realize have affected you deeply from. From I was also sick as a child and separated and in the incubator. So as you're speaking to, to this, I'm like, oh, good old abandonment, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> abandonment friend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, thank God we can also sit here and kind of like laugh because, you know, like I just, I've like experienced so much pain from like not being aware of that wound, but like, it does feel good just to bring humor to it. Humor is so healing, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's true. I feel like so many uh, humans do walk around with abandonment wound. It could be from those micro moments or those little moments we didn't really realize or weren't conscious to. And I think what you're speaking to is like the power of excavating and going backwards to see if we can find those moments and uncover what's been covered so we can freaking liberate ourselves. Yes, absolutely. And like, we don't even understand the little ways that uh, abandonment really shows up. I was having a chat with a girlfriend yesterday, like abandonment can show up in jealousy. Yeah. And that's such I love talking about jealousy. I don't know if you want to go there. But I was just gonna <laughs> say, like, I could, I could talk about this with you, because I've had massive jealousy issues and trust issues. And with my boyfriend now, we've had to do some really hard work and around that. And it's, it's so hard. <laughs> it's been really hard. So yeah, I can totally get into that with you because. Great. Let's yeah. do it. For yeah. me, jealousy is such a, it carries so much weight for a lot of people. It's one of those emotions that we so reject 
in ourselves. We, we carry so much shame when it comes up that we, not everyone, but we either kind of like shut down and get passive or maybe the, the tendency is to have an outburst and get angry and whatever the template is. And it is so necessary inside of jealousy to see the deeper layer of what's going on. The deep fear of I'm going to lose love or you're going to abandon me. And when we can take off the the layer of the jealousy and see underneath, like that's where the healing really comes. Curious about your experience with unraveling that. Yeah. Very nuanced. <laughs> it is. And it was pretty for me, almost like behind the scenes. Like I was just so in it that I wasn't aware of like where it was stemming from or why I would have these big outbursts or be very like aggressive or angry um, and blow up my relationship. And, you know, I say I I would call myself like a very jealous person since, you know, my first boyfriend um, when I was 20. And that was coming from, you know, I have an anxious attachment style and abandonment wound. So I was kind of already coming from a place of fear of losing and wanting someone to complete me. And my first few boyfriends, there was betrayal. And so that just only enforced my story of I can't trust men and someone's something, the shoe is always going to drop. So with my boyfriend now, we've been together for almost two years. And he is very trustworthy. So of course, my deepest trust issues came up to be dealt with as they have to, because I haven't hadn't dealt with them yet. And, you know, I would find things, I would find reasons to maybe not trust them or create these crazy stories or have obsessive thoughts. I would make up the craziest things in my head. And, you know, it got to a point where I'm realizing like, I'm going to blow up this relationship if I keep acting in this way you know, keep waiting for him to mess up or trying to find, you know, like I'm just looking for evidence constantly from him. So, you know, through somatic therapy, I've been seeing a somatic therapist every other week and cultivating more regulation in my system has been helpful for me to have the capacity to just be a witness to myself. So building my capacity just to witness myself has helped this process. And honestly, yeah, it stems from, yeah, I'm scared of, you know, my boyfriend finding another woman more attractive than me, choosing her over me, which means I'll be left and I will die. Mm -hmm. Like that is the deep thread from childhood that, you know, my caretaker will leave me and I will die because I am a baby and can't help myself. So just to name that and feel that like, oh, this is deeper than deep, right? And this is actually not real, you know, with my boyfriend and I, it's real on from my past, but it doesn't, does not, I have to, you know, excavate this and alchemize it because I will blow up the relationship if I, mm-hmm. you know, continued acting out and not acknowledging the deeper wound. Yeah. Like your lived experience is real and it's so primal and a part of you genuinely feels like it's going to die. And it's a both and you don't have evidence to prove that inside your current relationship. And it's very much a like telltale anxious abandonment wound MO to just be like, where is the evidence? (laughs) I will find it. (laughs) Well, it's fascinating how, well, I'll speak just for myself, how I would somehow fabricate this Lord of the Rings tale, (laughs) you know, to like, prove there's evidence. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, I am, wow, I'm creative as, you know, AF, <laughs> you know, in a bad way, but 
you know, that it's almost fascinating what exactly that like anxious, obsessive mind can do to create, yeah, fabricate these tales to make your story true. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And from the perspective of the ego, it's like the ego doesn't care about love. The ego doesn't Mm -hmm. care about connection. It just wants to keep you safe. And jealousy is just one of those crafty little strategies that it has to keep you so safe. (laughs) (laughs) And it really does start with the nervous system. Yeah, it's just getting back to that primal experience. Like your nervous system doesn't understand that it's not living in the past, that Mm -hmm. you have this love that is committed and showing up for you every day. That's like it's and it's so beautiful that you have a partner who is like here for here for that and here for those conversations and willing. Yeah, it's it's hard. Something that came up for me inside of jealousy that really flipped it around for me is the way that jealousy is linked to desire for something that I have actually rejected inside of myself. Mm. And what I mean by that is typically the type of person that I am attracted to it's or that I am jealous of is someone who is very fully expressed and embodied in their feminine because of typically the patriarchal narrative that I need to be a certain way to be a good woman, a good partner, a good feminine bodied person and the ways that I am terrified to do that because of my own histories and traumas and that that actually doesn't feel fully safe for me to to be expressed in that way. But the desire is there. It's a deep, full-bodied desire. And so, you know, it took a while for me to understand that, but I did see the way that that showed up. And also I would find myself jealous of women who had the sort of patriarchal, by all patriarchal standard, like the perfect body. Um, I have a quite a disordered eating background as well. And so that was always a thing that I always felt like I needed. I needed to be perfect. I needed to fit inside this box. And when I really got into the jealousy and into those stories and, you know, you start unlearning the patriarchy and you're like, whew, okay, everything I think I know about what I want to be and who I want to be or who I think I need to be is a total lie. But um, when I could see it from the space of desire, I'll take the the feminine, the feminine uh, embodied being or desiring that within myself. When I see a woman or a femme identified being fully expressed and free in her feminine, and I feel jealous of that, I see that as something that I deeply desire that I'm actually not willing to take responsibility for. Because if I stay in the jealousy, then I can stay in the shame of being jealous and I never have to do the deeper work to uncover why it is that I actually struggle to be fully expressed and embodied in my feminine. Mm. And that is rooted in layers of trauma and conditioning that feel scary and primal, like I'm going to die if I do that. That's so powerful and such a, you know, I don't even know if powerful is the word, but just a way more helpful way to look at jealousy too. And when you're feeling envious or jealousy of something or someone, wow, like, is that not, that's just such powerful medicine and to see, you know, where that's coming from in you and like what the deeper desire and longing is. And, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because the other day I was thinking about that like is there what am I jealous of and what am I envious of and I'm talking like outside of my intimate relationship because like 
feeling like, where's that marker where there's something for me where I'm feeling that like I, and that's just a really, I think, interesting way in to a deeper way in to understand ourselves. Yeah. I realized recently that I was feeling like really jealous of all the women online who were, you know, very sexually expressed, but from a, you know, sexual healing journey or talking about, you know, tantric principles and I was feeling so like, oh, like I want that. (laughs) I want that so bad and realizing, okay, well, I'm actually, I have to look at my relationship to my sexuality and why I'm feeling so about like fire or that, like a hatred of like, damn you (laughs) You and your open sexually healed self. <laughs> but you know, it's stemming from realizing how blocked, sexually blocked I've been and how there's like a deeper invitation for me to do some hard work. And the more energy I spend on wanting other people's lives, the less responsibility I take on my own healing journey. So I hope that all makes sense. I feel like I was kind of choppy in the way I explained that, but No, no, it definitely made sense. And it's it's so true. It's the both end of like seeing it as the mirror of what you want for yourself and that you can have that mm-hmm. and that's available to you. You're drawn to that in some way because it it's calling to you. And I think that's, the, that's what we can take into any time we're triggered by anything like that's whenever I'm triggered, I'm like, Ooh, juicy invitation. What is here for me? Okay. Um, <laughs> Cause oftentimes like jealousy can come up for, for anyone. It can come up mm. in people online. It can come up in close friends and mm. it's been so liberating. Like you said to whenever I feel jealous, I just go, Oh, I'm avoiding responsibility. And and I can I can take ownership over that, and it kind of removes me from the 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 experience. But to be able to do that, I did have to build the nervous system capacity to not just like go into the trigger and be down the spiral and into the stories immediately. Like that takes time and practice and somatic stuff, <laughs> therapy and support yes. to to get to that place. But it does happen. Like if you're someone who struggles with jealousy, you can absolutely overcome it. You just have to have patience for the process. Mm. And I think so long as we're approaching jealousy from this place of I'm broken and I don't like this about myself and I need to fix it, it's never going to go away. We have to come into full radical acceptance of this is something that I experience and it's directly related to my past I have a deep fear here and I love and accept myself for this piece. And you can bring that into relationships and say, hey, I have this jealousy thing going on and I really want to work through it, but it's going to take me some time. And I want you to know that I'm doing my best, but I'm trying. Wow. That's going to be really helpful for a lot of women, like what you just said, Mm -hmm. Um, because I know have heard a lot of women struggle with this in their intimate relationships and it causes a lot of pain. And I spoke about this once on my channel and I had a lot of women DM me being like, how, like, how can I overcome this? How can I overcome this? And what you just said was like really beautifully put. And that's exactly it where for me, it's actually a lot harder and it takes more work to sit in I have to find that security within myself and I have to take 
100% self-responsibility for my worthiness and my you know, sourcing safety and validation that has to come from me. And that is quite confronting as well from someone who historically has validated it from external sources. So like you said, it does take time and it does take patience. And I honestly needed to get somatic support to get to a place to address it. I don't know. I don't know how I could have done it otherwise. I just haven't experienced another path. But you know, it's a lot easier for me to be just jealous and be in that story. And all men, I can't trust any men, all men cheat. It's easier for me to be there than to sit back and actually realize I have to do some deep work on myself. Yeah. Because when we look at the ways that we, the ways that we source validation externally, like those messages have been imprinted into all humans (laughs) since the beginning of time. It goes back to what we were saying at the beginning, like where was the teachings around being taught to source your worth internally? So it's, it's deep, sensitive work. It's not just something you can be like, oh yeah, I'm going to get over my jealousy today. I'm going to start sourcing my worth internally. <laughs> like, If there was a way to do that, I would be all about it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's like, I'm just going to do it today. Like totally. Like it actually doesn't, for me, it has not worked like that. It doesn't just happen. <laughs> yeah. It's more like the slow baby steps slowly over time. And then you kind of just wake up one day however long later and realize that you're doing great and things have changed a lot. (laughs) A thousand percent. And like you mentioned before, I am very, very grateful and lucky to have a partner that's been willing to stand beside me as I walk through this. And, you know, in all honesty, all all honesty, you know, we had a moment where we weren't sure if we're going to continue our relationship just because, it's been a very deeply healing relationship. Like it just hasn't been over, you know, it just hasn't been chocolates and I don't know. Hasn't been the Disney fantasy. Hasn't been the Disney, right? Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Right. It's like, oh, I, you know, I lost my last boyfriend and two friends in a tragic accident. And then I meet my now partner a year later. Like, what was I expecting? (laughs) Yeah. But I was a little blind and I maybe did think that I wouldn't have to go through a full death and reverse cycle, but here I am. I'm just really lucky to have a partner that has like been willing to be an ally during that process. So it does make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, kind of one of the sister components of jealousy that I have seen or found in conversations and with breathwork clients is this, this sort of playing small inside the relationship or not feeling safe to have needs and feeling the need to kind of be perfect or move into those sort of codependent tendencies of making sure that the other is good and all right as a way to make sure that we're still chosen. It's one of the ways that we sort of hook into sourcing our worth into the relationship versus sourcing it ourselves. And I'm curious if you have noticed that or if that hasn't really been your path. I know it was a big, a big journey in unraveling my jealousy was like, I know in past relationships, I was like little miss perfect. I was like, I'll just be the best girlfriend. I'll just like want to have sex all the time. And like, (laughs) and, and meanwhile, I wasn't, I wasn't getting my needs met. Like I, there was a point in my life where I was so disconnected from my needs that I genuinely believed I didn't have any. And, (laughs) and I'm curious if that's been true for you or something similar or how that has shown up. I absolutely resonate with what you're saying, but for me, it showed up as coming from a a wide open abandonment wound. And I would go into my relationships 
with disconnect from what my truth and what I need and what I want, because I'm just so wrapped up in getting the relationship and getting and having a person in my life and like filling that abandonment void. <clears throat> and that, you know, generally after the honeymoon phase would fade, then I'm left with, you know, not feeling satisfied in the relationship because I've overrided my truth just because I wanted to fill it with another, with a body. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's okay. like, I'm so afraid of being abandoned that I'm gonna not do the self-honoring thing of having needs and fully communicating my truth. Yes. Because I'm afraid of being left. Yeah. Well, for example, this is kind of a big one, but uh, my boyfriend and I gave up our apartment and went to Arizona last year for six months. And it was during the pandemic. And it's a long story short, but we ended up we're like, okay, let's go to Arizona where his parents have a home and we'll just stay there for a bit as we like figure out what we're doing with our lives. And I remember having that feeling like, I don't think this is a good idea, but I was so disconnected from my actual truth that I was just like, you know, okay, like we'll go and like not wanting to upset him or not wanting to say no or not wanting to, I'm like, why couldn't I have just said that? But I was so in, in like my shit and disconnected from my center that I sold all my stuff, moved in with him. And then we went to Arizona and it was really challenging. And when I look back, I'm like, yeah, it's because I, I, I was overriding my deeper truth of like not wanting to be isolated in the desert for that long. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I'm diving right in on this podcast. It's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah we are. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do. I have a very intimate relationship with abandoning my truth. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if we could come up with a few things for people if anyone is resonating with with what we're saying and just this abandonment piece or maybe maybe just wanting to communicate their needs or their truth a little bit more um, or struggling with jealousy. Maybe we could think of a few things that people could could start for me in the relation to needs it's like if you're if you're listening and you kind of feel like oh I think that might be me but I don't actually know because I (laughs) can imagine that being maybe true for someone is like connecting to the smallest things with like what do you want for breakfast like don't outsource the needs into the big conversations start super small with the minor decisions in in life Mm-hmm. feels like a tangible kind mm-hmm. of tool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think even just having, like you said, that minor acknowledgement of, oh, like I think perhaps I am disconnected from my needs or wants is definitely, I think, a doorway into, you know, maybe eventually having that bigger conversation. Oh, like I didn't realize how far my abandonment wound goes and how much it's impacting me and how like, oh my God, I need to come back to myself. Like, what am I doing here? Like, this is so unhelpful. (laughs) It's like Um, that iceberg uh, picture where like the tip of the iceberg is the conscious, but like 90 to 95% of how we operate in the world is from the unconscious. So there's just Mm -hmm. this whole iceberg (laughs) underneath Mm -hmm. of you and every other human just waiting to be acknowledged. Oh my God. Yeah, 90%. I know. Um, I just had a thought that like, I think another maybe little tangible invitation could be just like a bit more alone time. Mm. And I know that 
could be sometimes overwhelming or maybe not available to everyone, but you know, even just like a five minute walk around the block mm-hmm. just to be with self. Um, alone time was really big medicine for me. Mm-hmm. And I also think in the context of of partnership, like I know when I was really in the throes of my jealousy healing, I, as much as it is like a self-responsibility and it is mine and it is yours, you're still allowed to have needs and requests. Approaching the conversation prior to being in an activated jealous space and having an open discussion about it, inviting them into the fact that this is something you want to work on and maybe requesting like, I'm talking heteronormatively now because right now, because mm-hmm. that's been our experience, but a request, a simple request could be, if, or may, can you introduce me to your female friends? Can I be friends with them too? Kind of like including you in on in that and noticing if it's coming from a place of of genuine, like I really want to heal this or if it's coming from a place of like, I feel the need to like manipulate you and be friends with your female friends so that I can from like- Control. Yeah, because mm-hmm. <laughs> those are two very different intentions and we must be very mm-hmm. mindful of that. <laughs> but yeah, and also being open to- um like your needs not being met and sitting with the discomfort of of that. But mm-hmm. I just wanted to say like there's ways to include our partners into healing while not dumping on them and making them responsible, but just letting them know that we're taking responsibility and doing everything that we can. Well, that's very helpful. And I really wish I had had that conversation with my partner. But uh, yeah, we're well past that now, but that would have been great if I could have sat him down and spoken directly to it. And I think that's beautiful, like you said, to have requests or boundaries or um, to add that in that are coming from the right place, like you said. Because I think with jealousy and insecurity, it's very easy to walk the line of like manipulation and control and then wanting to just like, you know, it's so easy just to fall back into that pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, and what yeah. I was saying before about um, sort of playing small and and placating oneself in the context of jealousy, it'd be like, you know how I know there's a jealous woman or a jealous human listening to this that's like, I'm just going to be perfect and I'm never going to be jealous and I'm just going to be the greatest partner and they're always going to choose me and they're never going to leave me. Meanwhile, inside they are seething over some other human that they are jealous of. So I say that because what I, what I always say to that is that that's actually not love. It's manipulation when we show up in relationship like that. It's, and you know, I say that with love and intention that it's coming from this primal need of survival. So it's, it's okay if, if you do that, but also hear that, that it's actually not love when you show up that way, that it's, it is manipulation. Yeah. I just felt like that. I knew that was a nugget I wanted to share. That is such a good nugget. And I'm so happy you said that in my head. I was like, praise be, I love Handmaid's Tale. So it's in my head. Yeah. I was like saying that in my head. I'm because that's been a big realization for me. And I'm happy you said that because a big piece around healing my jealousy and trust issues and insecurity is having to sit with, I need to be okay. If my partner was to 
decide to walk away from the relationship, I have to feel in my bones, in my nervous system that I'd be 100% okay. And getting honest with myself that there's um, where my wounding and trauma has been at, I haven't felt that. I haven't felt that I'd be okay if he left. And so there's a huge invitation to help heal that jealousy piece and that wanting to control and grasp and keep. Mm -hmm. So that's been massive to sit with like, I have to um, cultivate that from within. And that is actually like everything. And my freedom and liberation is like a human being. Yeah, it is. It's that's like the deepest work that Mm -hmm. we could do is to be unconditionally okay, no matter Mm -hmm. what, what happens or who leaves or who stays is that because you may intellectually know that, but it takes a while for the system to really get that. Um, The embodiment. It's hard. And I, and I can honestly say that I'm not completely there yet. Mm -hmm. I'm not, but I'm aware of it at least now. Yeah. And that's great. (laughs) Sometimes I think we put so much pressure to be like the healed or whatever the version is. We want ourselves to be somewhere that we're not. And in the acceptance of just, Mm -hmm. this is where I am and Mm -hmm. I can accept myself and love myself here. Like that's step one for just, I'm unconditionally okay, is allowing yourself to not be perfect in in every moment and that you can still sit with yourself inside the discomfort something that a few things so many things have come through actually (laughs) one was like um just sisterhood and the importance of connecting connecting with with humans who can support you and be there when you don't feel unconditionally okay and you can can hold you in that and the other was and this also relates to kind of a practical tip uh, that you could request is I know this has been big for me and I know you're on a womb journey as well. So we'll dabble in the womb here. But in connecting to my cycle, I have really found that my luteal phase, so the phase just before my bleed, is like the only phase of the month where all my insecurities come out. And so in the realm of jealousy or just even noticing that during that week of the month, if you are someone who has a menstrual cycle, or even if you don't, if you just are a female-identified body and you are connected to your womb cycles, that that is the week of the month where most of the stuff will come up. And just having that awareness can really help to just take a step back of like, oh, this is some luteal stuff. Like, I like to give it a name, you know? That's very liberating (laughs) or like empowering just to have that awareness because I I think there's a kind of a cheesy quote like, Maybe not, but you know, the first step is awareness, but it's so true. Mm-hmm. Always. Yeah. yeah. That's really helpful, I think, to un- understand and feel into how your hormones shift through your cycle. I think that is like a really helpful piece to gain to understand like exactly like where does some of my shit kick up? Mm-hmm. And then also you can celebrate the times when it doesn't, like when you're in that more ovulatory or follicular phase that you're feeling magnetic and radiant and you're like looking at your body and you're feeling good about your body. (laughs) And you can just start to notice that, oh, there's actually this sort of cyclic rhythm where during these days of the month, you just get really crafty at making stories during the luteal phase. And (laughs) this too shall pass. (laughs) I used to get pretty wild during the millennial phase. The second half, I would get dark, like very, <laughs> very dark. So yeah, <laughs> just, uh, 
understanding that and noticing like when I become a psychopath was great. <laughs> I say that with love. But. Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, it's so gorgeous. Ooh, I am excited for this episode. If I'm for sure going to be vulnerable putting it out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This, this got um, juicy. Did it not? It did get juicy. I think. Yeah. 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 I love talking about jealousy. It's really, I, th- I think it's just such a good thing to talk about because mm-hmm. so many women experience it in their relationships. Yeah. We don't talk about it enough and it's no. so layered. It's so much <laughs> deeper than the lived experience of just being in the trigger and the overwhelm. Yes. So we're going to unpack this slowly over time. It's a good one for the worthiness lab for sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I'm so happy we went into it. Like that was really unexpected and fun. Yeah. We didn't really go into anything we said we might, but it's great. No. I'm glad I'm glad the tech was like, throw out your notes. (laughs) Yeah. That's really cool. That's that's awesome. I love that. Thank you so much for your patience in the tech things and just thank you for sharing some of your story and your experience. I'm so grateful that you were so open and vulnerable and I just know that there's so much in in what you said that the world really needs to hear and mm. thank you. Oh, that was really beautiful. Thank you. Um, it was an honor to be sharing in conversation with you. It was so fun and just thank you so much for trusting me on your podcast something that we didn't talk about that i also just feel called to add in here in the realm of jealousy and its connection to desire you know i shared my one example but jealousy can come up in many forms for every individual um but i just encourage you to reflect on where does jealousy spark desire in you and maybe that is a desire to be seen to be nurtured, to be held, to be chosen, to take up space, to feel confident. And deeper than that, especially in the context of romantic partnership, I invite you to consider where are you not showing up for and asking for what you desire? Outside of romantic partnership, where are you not showing up and embodying what you desire? Where are you outsourcing your desire to be seen and nurtured and held or whatever the feeling is underneath the jealousy? Where are you outsourcing that onto someone outside of yourself and not figuring out what you need and asking for it or taking action to embody it? I'll riff into romantic partnership for just a moment. Thinking that your partner should just know what you want and be able to give it to you is like sending a complete stranger to the grocery store to buy your groceries. And I can say wholeheartedly that it is so wildly liberating (laughs) to ask for what you want, ask for it, and receive it. Okay. There's so much inside jealousy and the ways that it protects us from sitting in the deeper grief and sitting in the deeper pain of facing those core wounds and the fear that if we are truly and just fully alive in our authenticity that that is somehow not okay or not lovable. 
And I'm not saying here that jealousy, (laughs) that the jealousy is our deepest authenticity. I'm saying that when we strip away the jealousy and when we dive into the acceptance of the abandonment or the not enough fears or what might be hiding underneath, when we accept ourselves enough to not be ruled by those fears, when we can show up in relationship with ourselves and others from a space that isn't sourcing our worth from the external world, when we don't feel the need to shrink our needs and we feel alive to the fullness of our essence, that is liberation. That is embodied worthiness. Thank you so much for listening and being here with us today. If you love this episode, I encourage you to subscribe or leave a review. I would love to hear from you and to get this juicy topic into many ears and hearts of the listeners out there. And if you also thought Alyssa was just amazing and vulnerable and open, check her out on Instagram for more vulnerable shares around mental health, body love, womb wisdom, and everything in between. At Alyssa, A-L-I-S-S-A dot Hansen is her Instagram handle. And if you're curious to explore more about the stories that you hold in your body, and your desire to tap into the body wisdom from a space of reclamation for every little piece of you, I would invite you to check out my website, www.kyrawhite.com, to check out my upcoming workshop series called Revise. We start June 15th. It is a collaborative expressive arts and breathwork series dedicated to tuning into our body and somatically exploring and stepping into the fullness of our worth through the body there is so much more i could say on that but if your heart is called please check out the website or feel free to dm me on instagram at kyra lw or email me at connect at kyrawhite.com have a beautiful day friends once again thank you so much wishing you all of the love until next time